you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matt Bigotty. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I am super excited for today's episode because both you and your team, uh, I did some coaching and training with a couple of years ago now. And you have generally taken on board lots of the stuff we're talking about. And I hope business is going well. Yeah, it's going pretty good. No complaints here. Ironically, I'm on Koh Samui, Thailand right now, which is an island towards the south of Thailand. And this is actually the location where we flew you out to give the, your first uh, management training to our team. Awesome. Well, all, all back in the circle, I want to call it. Um, yeah. Matt, a few people might not know who you are. Would you mind giving a, a quick introduction to yourself? Sure. Um, I'm an SEO, a search engine optimization specialist. I have a few brands. The first is Diggity Marketing, which is my blog, diggitymarketing.com, and I blog about what I uncover in Google's algorithm through testing and experimentation and focusing on affiliate marketing. Leadspring is another business of mine that's completely focused on building ranking, monetizing, and eventually flipping affiliate websites. I have a client-facing SEO agency called The Search Initiative, a backlink service called Authority Builders. I have a course called The Affiliate Lab, and I'm the host of the Chiang Mai SEO conference when that is going on in a non-COVID era. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, I, I definitely hope it will be on next year, but uh, we'll, we'll see how the COVID world develops. Matt, we, we went to the training with you and your team. And basically, to those of you in the audience that don't know yet, uh, basically my training covers uh, a lot around personality and disk. It covers a lot around meetings, so one-to-ones, team meetings, etc. And it looks at how to give feedback and how to delegate and how to recruit, which is some of the absolute key points around uh, management. So if you have to pinpoint sort of your biggest lesson learned or the the biggest differentiator uh, in your business that that you took away from, from our training initially, what would that be? Oh, that's a tough one. There, there are so many things that I took away and not to blow smoke up your ass, but you're, you're probably used to it. I, I probably name drop you every single time I'm on a podcast, but your, your training really helped out in multiple aspects. The, the first one that comes to mind is I was, one thing that you imparted with me, as you said, like once you're, once you're functioning as a well, well running and proper manager, the only two tasks you should be doing are your own one-on-one meetings with your direct reports and your own hiring, because that's something you never want to outsource. And it, at the time that I heard it, I was kind of like shocked. What, you mean I'm not supposed to like, like check my own emails in the morning? I'm not supposed to do, like do these things that only I'm able to do right now? And the truth of the matter is none of it, none of it is something that you should hold on to. Every, you, everyone learned something at some point in time. So if you were able to learn it, of course, someone else is able to learn it. And after a certain amount of time, you need to let that go so you can move on to the next thing. And so like going back to that saying, you should only be doing your, your own one-on-one meetings or you should only be doing your hiring. I mean, I, 
I thought it was bullshit at the beginning, but it's, it's something that I strive for all the time. And I'm currently doing a time audit of all my tasks right now and how I spend every minute of the day and anything that I can outsource is going to get the boot as soon as I'm done with this audit. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a big one. And, and it's, it's not just, it's not just the fact that it can be done, but it's, it's the mindset, right? Because again, like every, every human being out there tells you, you shouldn't work in your business. You should work on it. Reality is 99% of people don't actually understand what it means, right? They, they say it and they might believe they're doing it, but most people aren't doing it. So uh, the, the key aspect really is, is really getting into that mindset. Uh, as I say, if you cannot take a month holiday, a month literally not touching a digital device and you know your business still keep running, fundamentally, you don't have a business, right? You have a very glorified job or you have a, something like a freelancing uh, company, if you will. But, but fundamentally, to run a business, right, you're basically building a unit that can run uh, with, with or without you, right? Obviously, in most cases, there's a benefit for you being there in terms of strategy and mission and direction and so on. But, but fundamentally, being able to actually uh, let, let the company run, and I say that very purposely, right? Letting it run without you, without jumping in, because so difficult for people when they see something they're like oh it shouldn't be like that you know i'll just go fix it like actually letting people do that and letting people have the responsibility is really hard that's um, and i guess you you had a really hard time with that as well yeah i mean for sure i think anyone that comes from an engineering background or is very numbers driven or very uh i would say organized which which I would consider my personality type. I guess there's some kind of ego attachment to feeling like you're the only one that can be able to do certain tasks or, or if I let this kind of task go, maybe it won't be done to the same degree that, that would be executed if I did it myself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see how people get into that because I got into it myself and uh, it was a struggle. But I think first, once you realize that you're not, you're not dumping off every single thing that you do onto one person because, yeah, that is a hard shoes to fill because you're trying to basically clone yourself into another person. Everyone's unique. And if you're the person who started a business and you're the entrepreneur and you're, the, you're that type of person, you likely have a very set of unique skills that other people don't. But the, the key aspect to this is you don't, you don't dump off every single task. You dump off some tasks to other people and you let them get better than you are at that specific task because they're working on that all the time. And that's something I'll learn from you as well. And that, that part, I think, makes it easy for people to see that, okay, yeah, like I want to do all the link building in my company right now. I want to choose all the anchor text, whatever that might be. But you can, everyone can easily see if choosing, doing the links or choosing anchor text was someone's primary job, how they could get better than you. Of course, anyone yeah. could see that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think even the awareness is key, right? Because I think a lot of time as entrepreneurs, we or SEOs or whatever, whatever you're looking at, I, I think we're just in the habit of doing it, right? Everyone is 
blown their ears full from people like Musk and the likes that are like, oh yeah, work from 700 hours a day and you know just push the hours and so on. And and I think that the the problem is, is someone like Musk who does it, it's it's good and it's helping him because he's doing the right things. But if you're spending all hours of every day is sitting doing stuff that you can pay someone else two bucks to do, you know, you, you're really not helping your business, right? You're, you're actually putting it uh, at risk by doing it because you, you, you take your own energy and power away from the things that should be done. And you're trying to save a couple of pennies instead, right? Which yeah. for me, that one is big. There's also this opportunity cost of uh, when your brain and your energy is consumed by basic tasks and, you know, there's only so much, so many hours in the day and there's only so many brain points that you can expend during the course of the day. When you're spending it on something that's not impactful, then what are you missing out on? Like, what is the opportunity that came by your nose, but you didn't have the time to notice it just because you're too busy? Or what was the pivot that you could have taken your business in or the the flaw in your marketing plan that you missed just because you're too tired at 6 p.m. because you've just been doing junk work all day. And that's what I see as in the leadership position at any business. You need to keep at least 50 to 60% of your time open. I'm not saying like you should be farting around doing nothing, but you want to spend a lot of time managing and then let, let the tough brain work be done by the people that you've assigned responsibilities to so you can have that freedom and flexibility and agility in your mind to make the big moves when they come, come your way. Yeah, and it, particularly also, I, I love the way you, you're saying it with brain work, right? Because I, I think fundamentally, um, it, it's easy again just to fall back into this trap where, where you're just, oh, well, it has to be done, I'll do it and, and all this, but, but, but really thinking about, I mean, so many people talk about it as well, the fact that you can only make so many effective decisions a day and all this good stuff, right? Um, but I, I think fundamentally just having a good mindset on um, where should time actually go and like what is it actually you're spending it on and, and what's the outcomes, right? And I mean, one yeah. of the very simple, one of the very simple aspects, like I lived in the UK for a while, right? And I ended up taking a taxi to and from work every day. And a whole bunch of people looked at me and say, oh, that's also, oh, that, that's stupid. That's so expensive and so on. I'm like, well, if I go and take the bus like most other people, you know, it takes me like an hour and 15 minutes extra every day. Now I'm paid more an hour on a daily basis. I'm paid more per hour than uh, the cost of the taxi back and forward. So actually working an hour longer uh, actually doing something I enjoy rather than sitting in a bus full of strangers um, makes a lot more sense to me. And the whole point is that when you're actually doing something, again, if you're doing the right things, doing that extra might be super helpful, right? And, and career-wise, this is one of the key, key reasons in general why men actually ends up making a lot more money than women is because, again, if you put in that extra effort, you, you are more likely to end up making more money, right? When you're doing the things that your competitors won't do. But the key aspect here though, is to make sure that you are doing the right things. And this is where most particularly, I mean, our, our common uh, interest in SEO and, and some of the SEO world, this is exactly where a lot of SEOs go wrong, right? Because they end up spending their time just sitting, doing, 
stuff that many, many people could be doing instead of them. I can't imagine a worse industry in terms of people who like to waste time. I'm sure any in industry that you're in, like everyone has its quirks, every industry has, has its quirks and stuff like that. But just go on to SEO Twitter and just see how many back and forth conversations people have all day long about, oh, well, Google said this in their patent and well, no, no, this isn't the case. And just back and forth. You guys just need to do some SEO or better yet, uh, hire some people to help you do some SEO. There's a lot of busy work in SEO, for sure. There's a lot of things that you can do that make you feel like you're being productive. There's a lot of debates to be had. You can talk about, is do follow really a word? No, it's not. Like, who cares about all that? You have to know, like you said, what are the, what are the important things to work on? And just to add to that, one, one of the, the key ways that I figure out what I should be working on is doing this time tracking exercise that I was talking about earlier. Like, like you said, Mads, I, one, one of the first metrics you need to understand is your own value per hour. So that's super easy. You figure out how much you made in the last month, you divide it by how many hours you worked last month, and then you figure out, okay, I'm worth $1,000 per hour. Now that you know your worth per hour, you can look at all the tasks you do in a given month. So let's see, I, maybe last month I, I spent, um, I don't know, four hours doing, um, I don't know, some, some kind of activity towards marketing and that ended up generating uh, $400. So that's only $100 per hour. I, I'm ne- not allowed to do that anymore. It's a waste of my time knowing that I'm usually making $1,000 an hour. I just spent four hours doing something that makes only $100 an hour. That's something that I can never do it again. And when you track your time like this and you correlate for each activity, how much money does that generate? It becomes super clear. Does it pass the threshold or does it not pass the threshold? If it doesn't, then let's hire someone who doesn't cost $100 an hour to do the same thing. And then that's how scalability and profitability come into play. And that's one of the funny discussions I always have with people is they're always like, oh, but I really like doing it. I'm like, yeah, you probably do. But, but the thing is, again, like sitting writing meta descriptions or sitting doing certain things, it, it might be fun and it might be okay right now. But again, the key difference is, are you actually building a business or are you just having fun with a hobby, right? And, and if you are serious about building a business, I'm not saying you can't do anything that's work-related, but, but again, like you, exactly as you said, you have to look at your time and look at what does it actually make sense you do, right? And that's, it's so critical to be, to be able to be successful in, in any of these fields because m- most people spend years, like most of the SEOs that I work with, like agencies, they, they spend five, six, seven, eight years building a half-decent agency. Now, most of them could probably have done it in maybe 20% of the time if they're actually focused their time in the right places, right? Right. That's the challenge, though. Sometimes these, the, the right places and the right moves aren't always apparent. And that's, again, going back Definitely. to just don't make yourself super busy because you'll never be able to see what's important if you're working six, 60 hours a week, for example. Yep. So one of the things that I talk a lot about, not just in my training, but in general, is, is uh, my absolute favorite behavioral framework, which is called DISC. And I, I remember doing the training with you guys, and, and I remember one of the comments, I think it was Jason who said, uh, can, can you really put people in a box like that? 
And I'm like, I, I remember the first time I learned it, my, my sort of reaction was the same. And I'm like, nah, it can't be that everyone just fits into a box. But my reality after using the framework for many, many years is that people do fit into boxes pretty well. I like this because it's only based on four different parameters rather than like that, the whole INTJ 16 personality. I, I don't know the name of that, but I can't keep like all these different personality types in my head if there's 16 different ways it could go. But with yeah. DISC, it's nice and easy to model. And for someone who like me, who has like the worst emotional intelligence in the world, it's actually, I, I can get a gauge on people now. I can actually see what personality type they are, what kind of jobs they'd fit in good with, you know, what, what kind of things make them tick, what kind of things motivate them. It, on a basic level, I'm not saying like I, I can mind read at this point, but I'm definitely a lot better than I was before. Definitely. And I think, I mean, for, for me at least, it, it's one of those things that, uh, it, it's the same reason I love it. The, the, the key thing that I really like about this is the fact that you don't need people to take a test because the, the challenge I've always seen with most of these frameworks, I mean, MySpricks is probably one of the most popular. And, and the, the challenge I see with it again and again is that it's based on people taking a test. And reality is most people just don't know themselves very well. And if people don't know themselves very well, they often answer incorrectly, which then make you into giving a test result that isn't correct. So if you're using it for interviewing or the likes, you're actually acting based on the wrong data, right? Whereas with this, I, what I really, really, really love about it is the fact that, you know, you look at another human being, you look at a little bit of their behavior, and in most cases, you can very, very quickly tell them, like, tell their personality. You can, you know, you know a whole bunch of stuff about them, sometimes even stuff they don't yet know about themselves. Right. Here's an interesting activity. This popped in my head. Are these posted on YouTube? Uh, yeah. Okay. This, anyone who's watching this right now and whoever knows Mads or whoever knows me, if you understand the DISC personality assessment, like what do you think Mads is and what do you think I am? Go ahead and put it in the comments. I'm interested to see what people think. I always say I'm perfect, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're just a big D. That, 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 that's, a, that's a very high C response. Yeah, no, but, uh, but yeah, in, in general, though, like that, that ability to, to actually get a gauge, I'm like you, I, I'm not necessarily that I don't have any EQ, but I'm just very, very bad at understanding illogical human emotions or just understanding human emotions, I guess. And, and really like just learning a framework like this just enabled me to, I wouldn't say I'm human yet, but I'm, I'm getting closer at least. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. All good. All good. So in terms of sort of more specific management skills, what, what do you think of the things that you're sort of doing on a regular basis made the biggest difference for you? So what's the, what's the sort of skill that you're using on a regular basis that you're like, that was a game changer? Um, I think... Okay, here's an inception-like answer because it's, it's kind of got a tiered structure to it. So right now I'm managing managers. I'm, I'm not working with any direct, anyone directly that's doing any busy work. So I'm managing folks like Nathan, Jay, uh, Daryl. Like these are all like high-level or middle managers all the way up to high-level managers. So 
most of the time when, when I'm coaching them one-on-one in their meetings and, and stuff like that, I'm coaching them on management itself rather than SEO. You know, we're, we're talking about SEO all the time, more in a, in a group level and between all the members of the company. But when it comes to coaching my direct reports, it's mostly stuff with regards to management too. And I see time and time again, like everyone gets this, everyone gets this concept, but sometimes it needs a reminder. And this concept is that you should always assign responsibilities and not tasks. So instead of saying like your task is to go to the spreadsheet and then choose an anchor text for this particular, these links, and then make sure it's done before 3 p.m. every day, that's a task. But the responsibility is you're responsible for creating a link plan that's going to grow the grow the link equity and grow the naturalness of the link profile over time and hit these certain KPIs. Like that's a responsibility and that's somewhat something someone can get behind. And we're all learning. I'm learning myself. And sometimes I find that this one is something that people, people start to slip on. People forget that uh, like I should just tell him what I want rather than tell him how to do it. And then that's when a lot of confusion comes into play. Yeah. And what, what, one of the key things that I always suggest for that, because you're right, it often slips, right? Uh, one of the key things is basically when, when I look at delegation, I always want to have a clear outcome. So basically when I talk with my staff, right, and I'm giving them uh, a responsibility or when I'm delegating to them, uh, I'm always asking them, uh, sort of in the end of delegating and saying, are you clear on what the expected outcome is? So, and that's, nice. uh, it's actually a, a good benefit for myself because the thing is, I understand that if they're not clear about the outcome, then I've delegated a task rather than a responsibility, right? Um, but if they're clear about what the outcome expected is, then I've most likely given them a, a fairly good uh, responsibility to look after. Now, the, the second thing you can actually look at is nice. basically Good say, that, does this come back to me? And what that means is, again, every time I'm delegating, I'm basically looking at when this have been done. Does it land on my table? Because if it does land on my table when it's done, it means that they're definitely not responsible for the full outcome. They, they might be responsible for a part outcome. For example, they might be responsible for using some kind of report but but it tells me if i have to do something with it when they have done what they're supposed to do then it is either something that i can delegate whatever that outcome should be or i i definitely have to be very aware that it's not just a task right so the, those are sort of the two key aspects that i look at um when delegating. Yeah. i see that too and it, even when you're telling a direct report you know like why don't you give this a shot? And then when you're done with it, pass it by me and I'll give you the approval. There's something that subconsciously happens with the person who just got this task. I, I agree that it's not a task. It's not a responsibility. It's a task. Subconsciously, they're thinking, well, I don't need to really, I don't really have full responsibility of this. Like it's going to get signed off and it's going to get checked and it's going to get proofread by my direct, my, my manager. So I don't have to give it hundred percent. He's going to save my butt no matter what. Maybe they're not thinking that consciously and they're not thinking, hey, I'm going to be lazy on this one. But on a subconscious level, it happens quite often. Totally. And all the time. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not conscious. Like it's not, it, 
often it's not conscious, let's say it that way. Um, but it is much more that aspect. That, and, and it's also because when you're delegating or responsible to measuring the outcome, sometimes people don't get the right outcome. And that's reality. I mean, not every person hit their goal every single time. But if you then, you know, if they're clear on the outcome, they understand we didn't hit the outcome, I need to go and figure out how to hit the outcome. Then again, that's the whole point where, where you're getting significant value because it's not you having to do it. Right, because the, the biggest time suckers is when something was supposed to happen, it didn't happen, and you then need to go and figure something out. And when you have people that are clear that that was my responsibility, it didn't happen, so now I need to figure it out. That is, yeah, that is a huge, huge time saver, right? Right, right, for sure. And and also, I mean, one of my one of, sort of the biggest things for me. Uh, when, when you're dealing with staff and, and particularly around responsibility is, again, the ability to not care about the task itself. So, uh, and I, I sometimes have to be very careful with this, but when I give people an objective, a goal to hit, then make sure that I give them the outcome. And actually, I don't want to look at the process. So I don't want to, look at or, or even know how they did it. I just want to look at the outcome and the, whatever the number is or whatever, the, you know, whatever it was they achieved, but I don't want to know the process because my challenge is the second I know the process, I start engineering it and I start like, oh, well, what if you did this and what if you did that? And I know I should just stay out of it. So the ability to just look at the result and say, okay, you hit the right result, well done, right? That is uh, very, very important for me, at least, to help yeah, me stay sure. out of stuff. That's something I saw just the other day. Yeah, like um, I was assigning something to someone. I started getting into the weeds of, you know, here's how you should collect the data and here's how you should format it. And then I gave them a 10-step process. And obviously, out of these 10 steps, like one of them was misconstrued. So the result came out bad. And I could have just said, like, here's what I'm looking for. Just figure out how to do it. Save me time. And we would have probably got the answer correct the first way. Definitely. Now, an absolute key thing for me is when you're building a team and like you, when you're, when you're growing a bigger business, right? You alluded to it a little bit before, but it's really the development of your managers, right? Because fundamentally in most organizations, unfortunately, people constantly get promoted into responsibilities of management and the support they get, the training they get is usually close to non-existing. So how do you actually go about that? Like when you, when you put in a new manager or when you're, when you're promoting someone, like how do you actually go around sort of supporting them and making sure they get into the management? Now? Well, to be honest, the first thing I do is just point them towards your course. They go through your course. And so they get up to speed on like the main philosophies, assign responsibility, DISC and um, delegation, how we can conduct a one-on-one -on -one meeting. So I guess I just kind of lead by example in the sense that they're literally seeing the management style because when they're meeting with me in the one-on-one -on -one meetings and how we run them and uh, how I keep track of, you know, objectives and KPIs and various reports and stuff like that, I think, or at least I hope I'm doing a good job of passing that down. But I'm curious, to, I'm curious about like how, how does one check to see how effective they're being as a, man, as a manager, especially because if you're doing it the right way, you probably 
wouldn't be getting in the weeds and seeing like how, how on the, the granular level their tasks are being completed. The absolute best way of doing it is looking at the results being delivered. Because again, sure. the, the main thing we care about is results. Now, obviously, if people have things like most of the time, people can obviously improve what they're doing. And, and the whole thing is management is a learning curve, right? Like it's not like you, you go through a two hour course or a five hour course and then suddenly you just get it and everything's perfect, right? Like the, the whole thing about management is you need to experience a lot of it, right? And the benefit, I mean, the benefit I've had myself is I've obviously spent a ton of time looking at it and, and uh, get, getting knowledge, acquiring knowledge about management in general. Uh, but, you know, I still make mistakes all the time. Um, the, the key thing is when you have the theory, when you have understanding of what you're, what would be a good way to deal with things, it makes you much more capable of, um, of understanding when you made a mistake. Because the biggest issue is when you make a mistake and don't know, and then keep making a mistake because that's what you did last time. Uh, because that is what, yeah, that turns into a vicious circle, right? Of just doing bad management. Um, I would, so, but, but, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, please complete your thought. I'm just going to jump in with something. Oh, I, I was just saying, like, for me, the, the key thing and, and how I want to measure managers is exactly under responsibility, right? Now, obviously, in the one to ones, I talk a lot with them. And as you said, like, one to ones for me is primarily about, you know, how are you managing? How are you delivering the results? How are you doing things? Um, and, and helping people. And, and again, giving them feedback, primarily on outcomes or behaviors, right? So giving, giving feedback when you see things happening is also very useful, right? Because again, most businesses, most companies, feedback is not a very common thing. So actually the, the ability to give good feedback on behaviors when you see it and that is that's a big one and very often what what will happen is you will see behaviors in your meetings so someone might be i don't know constantly interrupting or they might be doing something that you want to give them feedback on but the thing is if that's a behavior they have in a meeting with you they probably also have that uh, behavior in a meeting with their staff right so when you're giving them feedback on things that you see directly it's something that will actually float down Right. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, what I was going to say before is uh, I was I was thinking about what you're saying about you know like management is a learned process. No one picks it up all the way. I'd even I'd even take it to another level and say I'm I'm completely open and accepting that management will be a lifetime journey that I'll never master and that will always evolve, even as even as we get further and further into the future and stuff like that. I bet management theory itself will change, especially with technology and stuff like that. So I'm completely open to the fact that it's, some, it's a skill and it's probably the skill that is gonna be pivotal, pivotal in my success, at least in business going forward in the future. The other part of this, and I guess you could say that, I think everything that we've talked about so far, like assigning responsibilities, delegation, all of that depends on having really good staff, having a player staff, because this whole theory of let's just assign responsibility to someone and see if they're going to get it done. That doesn't work. If you have a C player on your team, that doesn't work. If you've got someone who's lazy or doesn't have the right knowledge or just, you know, just a toxic person on the team. So this whole thing, 
this whole thing falls to pieces if you don't hire well. And I think in terms of when you get to a certain level in business, it's all about how well you manage, but probably even more important, how well you hire. And I think that going over time, going through time, finding eight players, getting them on board with your vision of what you're doing, that's the, probably the biggest pivotal part of the whole damn thing. Yeah, and, and I agree to a large extent. So the, the three areas that I always look at as a business owner is, is definitely sort of day-to-day management. Uh, it is recruitment and then it's networking, right? I, th- I think as any business owner, the, those are the three areas where your time should be going, right? So managing your managers, obviously doing like strategy, vision and, and high-level management and then hiring great people and, and, and networking, right? I, th- I think also a lot of people, unfortunately, sort of miss out on the networking aspect. Um, but, but those are the three things that personally I find the absolute most important. Oh, yeah. Especially in the SEO space. Everyone in the SEO space, especially the affiliates, are like, I got into this business, so I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to make sales. It's, it's all done through my website. I can just sit at home, build links, and write content, stuff like that. But you miss out on so much if you, you don't nurture the networking aspect of SEO. I mean, I'd be half the SEO I am right now if I didn't have a good network around me. And it's, it's actually one of the most fulfilling parts of this, of this work. I uh, just watched a really, really interesting YouTube clip from, I believe it's Scott Galloway, on the algebra of happiness. And he had this little rant or this little dissertation about not, not taking a job because you're passionate about it because no one's passionate about logging into WordPress and, and building backlinks and stuff like that. No one's passionate about plumbing or, or anything like that, but the best plumber in the world or the best SEO in the world gets super passionate about what they do. And a big part of that is the camaraderie around it to be successful at something, to share that with other people, to talk about it, to meet up together, to have a a click, so to speak, like that is super, super rewarding. And one of the best, uh, I don't know, levers you could say in SEO is really getting into the networking part of it. Definitely, definitely. And I I think, I mean, when when you look at a high level, right, like um, the the way I look at jobs in general, like even when when people are, you know, just coming out of school, looking for jobs and so on, like I, I always look at a slightly different. Don't look to be an engineer. Don't look to like. Don't look at a particular job role, but look at the things you enjoy doing, right? Do you enjoy talking with people? Do you enjoy, you know, solving complex problems? Like, so look at the things you enjoy doing in life in general, and then look for various jobs that have those in them, because most people kind of put themselves in a box. Like even SEOs, they're like, "Oh, I'm an SEO." Well, reality is. A lot of SEOs would probably enjoy being accountants or um, they would probably enjoy being in the financial field and so on. But it's so easy just to put yourself in a box and say, oh, I'm, I'm this thing. But, but really when it comes to happiness, and again, in my humble experience, is it's really about doing things that you enjoy doing, right? And, and really getting to understand yourself as a human being as well. Uh, it took me a long time to understand what was really driving me and what was really making me happy in life. But I would say after, I mean, I would say the last 15 years, like I, I haven't been unhappy as in I haven't, you know, 
than sitting and waking up in the morning and be like, God, I hate my life type of thing. And it, mm-hmm. it's really because it's, I mean, life is a complex size, right? And there's, there's not a simple solution for any of it, but, but, but really understanding the things that makes you happy and understanding how you can do more of them definitely put you in a better mind space, all right? Sure, I agree and completely. Uh, I, I was, I'd also like to add, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was like, when I was younger, like I was, I was always like, oh, everyone's telling me to get an important job, to do this, to do this. And I was like, when I figured out, like the number one thing I love doing is helping people. When I started understanding that about myself and say, well, then I will spend a significant chunk of my time helping people. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't really care what people think about it, right? I just know that makes me happy and therefore I want to do it. And, and making those kind of choices can sometimes be difficult, but they're definitely a big, big player in terms of happiness in general. Good, good. So, well, did you have a comment, sorry? Oh, so, uh, yeah, what was that? Um, oh, I was, I was just saying, uh, like, the people that directly report to me, I kind of look at them not only in, you know, like, these are my employees and, like, I want to get results out of them, but I do look at them in, in a mentorship role. And the way I look at it is, like, we're, we're all doing SEO right now, but SEO isn't our job. Entrepreneurship is our job. Our job and the skill set that we're learning that's going to carry us in the future is how to build teams, how to build objectives, how to hit objectives, how to manage, how to solve problems that have never been around before that no one's ever encountered, how to leverage resources and put them together. SEO is just the, the modality of the entrepreneurship that we're doing right now. SEO is just the tool of what we're doing to make money, but the real skill is the entrepreneurship. And I think, especially for myself, like SEO was something I did all the time, but I'm more doing entrepreneurship now. It's just SEO is the vehicle by which I'm doing it. And that's what I try to instill in the people that that report to me, because I truly believe this and I, I think like I want everyone to be good at SEO, but I, I definitely want them to have a skill that's going to be useful for them 10, 20, 30 years from now. Yep, totally. And yeah, and, and reality is like a lot of staff and so on, like you're, you're effectively building some level of family, right? To a certain extent. And, and I'm not saying you always have to hang out with your staff and that's not the point, but but the point is that you're, you're really trying to build someone. You're, you're trying to build a tribe and you're trying to build something, a, a successful company with those people, right? Yeah, yeah. You should see Leadspring. Leadspring, you, you say you're not supposed to build a family, but <laughs> Leadspring is like a family completely. How, how's the little one doing? Any SEO skills yet? Oh, no way. There's no chance in heck I'm going to let her do SEO. She's going to... She's going to do whatever she wants to do, um, but she's, she's been great. She's uh, turning 11 months old for in, yeah, about a couple of weeks. How how just changed your whole view sort of on, on work and work hours and all that kind of view? Yes. Yeah, so it, it forces you to take a look at how you're spending your time because as a dad, I mean, anyone, every, any dad or mom listening to this, there's no amount of time that's enough to spend with your child. Like, even if you said, I'm going to dedicate five hours a day to being with my child, like that's still not going to be enough. There's no number that's ever going to be enough. It's just, that's the way it is. And that's, that's the mindset like a parent feels. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that when I'm doing stuff like this time audit right now, I'm, I'm even more picky on, you know, what, what kind of things I shouldn't be, should and shouldn't be doing and uh, much, much more mindful of how I'm spending my time just because of that. And then also, yeah, like just also thinking about business in such a way of moving toward less towards less, even more further away of being a manager and even further away of being like the leader of a company and more towards being an investor at this point. That's where I see the, the biggest leverage of my time and, and funds as well. Awesome. Matt, thank you very much. That was, uh, that was an excellent podcast. If people want to know more about you and your companies and so on, uh, what's, the best, uh, what's the best place to get hold of you? Sure. Go over to diggitymarketing.com, D-I-G-G-I-T-Y marketing.com. And that's my blog. And reach out. Awesome. I'll make sure we include all the links as well uh, in the show notes. So thank you very much for joining me. That was, uh, that was fantastic. It's a pleasure. Take care, man. Awesome. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.